exurga Deus disipentur edimici eius, et fugiancio derunt eum a face eius. <clears throat> let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I don't know if what I'm about to talk about for this episode is going to happen. I'm recording it before it's supposed to happen. But coming from MSN, the headline, or excuse me, coming from BGR, the headline, get ready, the Biden administration looks set to announce controversial new COVID rules. This is almost predictive, but I want to talk about this topic because it just kind of flew up into my face as I was reading the article. Before we get started, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangeli, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili deus supplicas e precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos quer perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum de trude. Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facim tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and read from the article and we're going to talk about it a little bit here. One of the key messages the Biden administration is trying to convey to Americans at this stage of the coronavirus pandemic is that not enough people have been vaccinated, nor have enough people gotten their COVID booster shots yet. However, a much stricter and controversial set of new COVID rules related to international travel, which Biden officials are reportedly set to announce as soon as Wednesday, could end up muddying that message and making an already tenuous vaccine uptake picture in this country much more complicated than it needs to be. Now, it's weird how they keep saying that there's not enough people who have been vaccinated. At the beginning of the pandemic, you know, back when people were still more prone to tell the truth, herd immunity only actually required about 60 to 65 percent. 60 to 65 percent in order to achieve herd immunity, where effectively the community itself will have defeated a particular infection. Now, herd immunity does not include vaccination. Herd immunity simply means to have acquired some sort of immunity, either natural immunity or whatever. Well, as of this podcast, greater than 85% or right around 85% of the population, 82 to 85% of the population has been vaccinated. The adult population. We already know that children, you can basically lock children out of this one because, because they're, not, they're not vectors. They're not vectors for the disease. They're not prone for the, uh, to the disease. <clears throat> now, with 80%, 80 plus percentage of the population vaccinated and very many of the remainder probably having actually already had COVID. We're well beyond the herd immunity numbers because that's exactly what Sweden went for. They went for herd immunity and they got it. 
That's why they haven't experienced any new surges beyond, you know, the seasonal stuff that just kind of pops up and sort of flares up a little bit and dies back down. So how could we be nearly 20% past herd immunity just in vaccination status? And yet not enough people have been have been vaccinated. Weird. Continuing from the article. Consider, for example, what kind of message it sends about the effectiveness of vaccines. If that is, you're going to also mandate that fully vaccinated travelers who are either coming to or returning home to the United States must also present multiple negative COVID tests and that they must also self-quarantine for seven days after they return. According to the Washington Post, all of that is where the administration seems to be leaning. There's your red flag. We've already told you, and you've had plenty of opportunity by this point, I would hope, to have gone and verified on your own. But we've already told you at this podcast that the government, the National Institutes of Health, and the National Infectious and the Oh, gracious. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, or NIAD, um, they're co-owners of the Moderna mRNA gene therapy serum. So they're pushing the vaccine actually has a an internal motive force. We don't know how much money they're making the government's actually making back off of this vaccine. We could, it's impossible to say. But given the fact that the government owns the patent, co-owns the patent along with Moderna, it's obvious to say that the government is the government itself is definitely not the organization that you want to take your cues from. And given the fact that Pfizer, Moderna, BioNTech, Johnson and Johnson, and all of the and all of these other big pharmaceutical companies have managed to make a killing from the vaccines, it should be enough to give you pause, because all of those organizations, including the government itself, are indemnified of any legal liability according to legislation passed six years ago, going on seven years ago. Meaning the only, there are only two people with legal liability or two groups with legal liability. One would be any business that forces their employees to get the jab. And the other one would be the employees who are silly enough to get the jab themselves. Those are the only people who are actually legally responsible. I've talked about the VAERS data. I've talked about all of the other, all of the other components. For anyone who's looking for anyone who wants to see, and this is actually the key thing, you have to want to see the truth. The problem that I've begun to notice in conversations with friends and family who are resistant to taking any kind of position on this, the problem is they're now more than willing to admit that they do not deep dive and they do not want to deep dive into the data. 
Think about what a stunning admission that is. I don't deep dive and I don't want to deep dive. I don't need all of the little particulars. Well, the little particulars in this particular case, first off, they're not particularly little. But they do, in fact, make up the whole story. If you don't know that the government owns the patent on the mRNA technology, then you, then you wouldn't know why the government, like you wouldn't even question why the government would be constantly pushing. If you're not paying attention to how much money is changing hands and how much of it is taxpayer dollars that were borrowed from... <clears throat> Look, you can talk about the, the, the goodness or the evilness of, tax, of taxation. At this podcast taxation particularly the way it's it's set up in the United States of America is theft okay if you're paying just the federal income tax rate that is typical then the government is taking the first 15 minutes out of every hour of your workday belongs to them when you go to work in the morning, the first 15 minutes of every single hour belongs to them. And if you're lucky enough to be in some place where you have adequate breaks, where you can take a 15 minute break every hour, then you could chalk it up to the government's 15 minutes is actually the 15 minutes that I'm on break. But by the numbers, the first 15 minutes of every single hour of your labor goes to the government. And that's why taxation in the United States is theft. Now, there are ways to generate revenue for the government that do not constitute theft. But in the United States of America in particular, we don't employ them. And if we, and the irony is, is that if we did, our nation, we could afford to waste trillions of dollars on stupid global global warming projects it wouldn't even it wouldn't even it wouldn't even hiccup our economy in the slightest <clears throat> but to do that they'd have to surrender some of their power and they'll never do that but it doesn't matter about whether or not you agree with the assess with the assertion that taxation the way we, the way it's done in the United States is theft the fact remains is that the government has borrowed from the future. They have borrowed the future labor of your children. Not just you, you've been spent. All of your labor for this year was spent two or three years ago. All of the labor that they stole from you was already spent two or three, two or three, four, in some cases, five, 10 and 15 years ago. What we are spending today isn't our labor. It is the labor of our children. And in some cases, depending on how old you are, your children's children and your great grandchildren even to the third and fourth generation. <clears throat> and how anybody can be okay with that is beyond me. I would argue that it's probably the reason why they're okay with it is because they don't see it. Well, we can pay that down later. 
Except it's not going to be you that pays it down. It's going to be your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. If you're a boomer today, four generations away from you is paying four generations. Not you. Your money's already been spent. Your money was spent back in the 1990s. And anything that might have been left over was certainly washed away in the global war on terror. The Gen Xers, our money has been spent. Right now, they're spending the millennials and Gen Z and whatever we're going to name the next generation after Gen Z. That's the money that's being spent for this. For the climate change nonsense, for the COVID, for the COVID restrictions, for all of the stuff that they've been doing, that's the money that's being spent. It's not my money. It's my kid's money. It's my grandkid's money. And it's money that's obviously being spent. It's time that's obviously being wasted. It's theft that's obviously happening. And they did it one step worse. They printed so much money that over the course of the next year, and let's be real for just a minute, the actual inflation rate is not 6%. It's not 5%. I would say it's closer to 14%, but that's only because 20 to 25% is closer to 14%. It's most certainly than it is 6%. But here's the cold, hard fact. The amount of money wasted, burned up, vaporized, guarantee, excuse me, guarantees that we're looking at an inflation rate by the close of next year of probably close to 35, possibly 40%. So if you're paying $3 a gallon right now in gasoline, expect to pay six. If a loaf of bread is $5, expect to pay seven. If a gallon of milk is $5, expect to pay seven to $8. And in some cases, like meat, where the price has already doubled, expect it to go higher. they're going to put in the, it seems very likely that they're going to put in these new travel restrictions and they're going to put in these new travel restrictions just as South Africa, although it's not really South Africa, but just as they were just handed the Omicron and the Omicron actually, I think I'm going to rename Omicron right now. The Necronomicon gives them the opportunity to start to fold in because the narrative has already begun in some places. The begin gives them the opportunity to begin to fold in the idea that myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clots, and all of the and all of the vaccine risks can now be folded into Omicron and blamed on the Necronomicon. <clears throat> And if they can blame it all on this new most, most lethal variant and understand, here's the thing. No one in the mainstream media, no one in the corporate press, no one in the cathedral 
and I mean cathedral in the secular sense, the, reli- the, the religious zealots on the American left, no one in the cathedral has told the truth about anything that's happened in the last two and a half, between two and a half and five years. Any resemblance to the truth that they've given is because they felt cornered, cornered by the facts and they realized, crap, I need to step away, otherwise my credibility is shot. But for the most part, most of these organizations, most of these institutions, including every single branch of the government and every major media outlet, they don't care about the credibility. They only care about the appearance of credibility. And right now, they believe that their studio, their 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 uh, production value, is going to be more than enough to compensate for any lack of truthfulness in any kind of reporting, in any kind of representation for anything that's currently going on in America and around the world today. And understand that this whole thing—it was never—it was never about public health. It's not about public health. It's not about your health. It's not about the health of your children. It's not even about the health of the country. It's not about health. It's not about medicine. And it's not about science. This whole thing has been specifically designed to push the dirt-worshipping climate agenda. Because this is the only way that they can slide it in. Because it can slide it in and then they just kind of talk about, oh, hey, look at all of these side effect benefits. Which, is, which, if you remember last year, what were they talking about? By the end of the summer, what were they talking about? You had been locked down for nearly six months and they're like, oh, wow, it looks like the earth is finally healing. Which was a garbage argument from the start. Because if every motion that we make towards trying to achieve this goal, what does God do? He pops off another volcano and completely undoes the whole thing. Hey, by all of your metrics, hey, here's this volcano. Boom. Hey, I just undid the whole thing. We have two active volcanoes right now. Do you honestly think that the air quality of the earth is changing? No, because for every single volcano that pops off, it does hundreds of times more than what they say is damaging the planet due to human-caused factors. So until the EPA or whoever these climate Nazis are, whichever ones they are, I'm not going to name names now, but until they figure out a way how to ban volcanoes, I don't want to hear it out of them because they're lying and they've always been lying. The whole thing has been a lie. The nice part is This is actually my favorite part. Due to the composition of the United States, and also due to the fact that we just, I mean, truthfully, we just have too many guns. The United States is now looked at by the world as the one place that is resistant. It is amazing. I'm watching I'm watching news coverage in Ireland and they're talking about the vaccine uptake and they're talking specifically about how the United States of America is specifically resistant to the vaccine. We have been resisting in numbers that you don't see anywhere else. And the reason for that is the government has a technical monopoly on the use of force, but they don't have a de facto monopoly on the use of force. The fact remains is that America is still so well armed that any of the more severe draconian measures, like, they, like they're trying to do in Austria, like they're trying to do in Australia, that crap's not going to work in the United States. 
It might work in California. It might work in New York. It might work in Illinois, parts of Illinois. But you can't even get that to work in Michigan. Michigan, where they tried very hard to do all of that. And what happened? Tens of thousands of Americans showed up peacefully, waving flags, armed to the teeth. Physically armed at a level where the police knew they could not do the shenanigans that they pulled in the protests in Australia. They could not do the shenanigans that they pulled at the protests in England. And they could not do the shenanigans that they pulled in France, in Austria, or Ireland. Why? Because they'd mess around and get shot. And what would start off as a protest would end as a massacre and the government would be on the losing side. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. It is an adage, and for a reason, that an armed society is a polite society. We had, you know, we've got the little things. We had that shooting in Michigan, I think at the school in Michigan, by the way. Um, I didn't, didn't obviously haven't made mention of that in any previous podcast, but you had that scoot, uh, shooting at the high school. I think it's Oxford high school in Michigan, pray for the victims and their families, pray for some kind of clarity to come out from that. Obviously, obviously that's the wrong place to bring the guns most of the time. Now, if one of the victims happens to turn out to be a pedophile teacher, well, I might actually come out in support of that school shooting, by the way. The teachers unions have decided that they're going to implement basically the same um, disciplinary tactics on pedophile teachers that the Catholic Church historically had, where they would just move people around and lock them in boxes and kind of hide it away. They have actually moved in many states to hide the data that records sexual assaults and statutory as well as violent rape when it pertains specifically to faculty in a lot of schools. So if you needed another reason to homeschool your kids, how about the idea that your children don't get raped at school? Don't get, let me put it this way. Michael Malice actually has a really good, a really good statement on this one. And he basically says, and I agree wholeheartedly, public schools are literal prisons and are, in fact, the only place where most children will be subject to violence. And if they're not subject to violence, they'll be subjected, subjected to the Marxist sexual revolution depravity that is the LGBT and the new pedo agenda that seems to be just circulating through the schools attempting to sexualize our children. And I say seems, in fact, it is. And if you take a really close look, you'll notice that it goes all the way down to the third grade second grade, and even, and actually even in some cases all the way down to preschool where children are already being sexualized. The drag queen story hour thing was the, was the flaggable incident where you look and you go, wait a minute, what is this? Why is this going on? And why are my kids actually still in school? Why are they still in public schools? That should have actually been the point when you started pulling your kids out of, out of public schools. But if it wasn't, you have an opportunity now. And it's not just the critical theory with the racial component that's currently going on. And it's not just it, like it is the entire the entire government school agenda 
everything that's being pushed by the teachers unions at this point, you just need to get your kids out of the schools, get them out of the, get them out of the public schools. You're probably going to want to get them out of some of the private schools. And I hate to say it, but you're going to need to get them out of the Catholic schools because your children are your responsibility. They are your property until they, until they reach the age of majority and you you parents are primarily and ultimately responsible for the proper formation and catechesis of your own children. Not Mrs. Burgess over in the Rancho Santiago elementary school, not, you know, Mr. Hume over in the, you know, freaking Columbus Tustin middle school. It is your responsibility. It's not even Sister Mary Catherine at Brebuff Academy. It's not even her responsibility. It is your responsibility to properly form and properly catechize your children. That's why God gave them to you in the first place. And it should be what the Virginia elections showed everybody, because they obviously don't care about you, about your kids, or about your well-being or your family's well-being. Which brings us back to public health. There's no such thing. There's never been a such thing. The CDC, the NIH, the NIAID, all of those are garbage organizations that, that aren't actually doing anything to help you. All they have actually done, and the FDA documents, like the documents have already come out to prove this. All they have done is they've utilized the abortion industry to take dead babies and put the, and and graft them into animals so that they can be tested on so that they could generate the COVID-19 bioweapon and things like them. These are not ethical or moral people by any stretch of the imagination. They're not interested in it. This mRNA gene therapy technology, which, by the way, principal use of mRNA technology was to recode enough of your DNA so that you could successfully fight cancer, which is a genetic disorder. And the data is now coming out that the mRNA technology is having a deleterious effect to the genetic makeup of the people who take the vax. And it's running. It's going to run the risk of giving you an autoimmune disor- disorder, assuming you don't suffer from stroke or blood clots or my- myocarditis or, perio- or pericarditis. We've lost professional athletes to this. The most physically fit people in the world. And they have fallen to the mRNA gene therapy technology. It's not about public health. It's about compliance. It's a, it's about turning you into lambs available for the slaughter so that this way they can reduce the carbon that they really want to reduce, which is the pleb class. It is you, the little people, the peasantry. And the sooner we get that in our heads, the sooner we realize that this is a diabolical, demonic push the better off we're going to be. The Brandon administration wants to do these new restrictions. Why? 
because they're going to hurt the economy. They're going to hurt travel, particularly air travel. As you know, I'm an aircraft mechanic, and so I've been paying attention to everything that they've been doing. And everything that they've been doing has been specifically designed to basically put you on a pogo stick on the ground, not capable of traveling, not capable of going, not basically of cutting you off from any kind of freedom of movement. That's the intent. Because none of the rich are going to give up their, their need to fly. They're not. In fact, in Ireland, they just came out with a, with a ridiculous article saying that wood-burning stoves actually do more damage to climate change than corporate jets, which is literally the private jet class. The carbon they want to reduce is you. They want you in your little cell away from them so they don't have to worry about it, except when they can open the cell and bring your little masked face out specifically to serve them. That's the point. And we've got to actually start pushing back hard. In America, it's nice because we don't have to push back as hard. The fact remains is that we are armed. And if they really want to go draconian, we can go ahead and get medieval. And there are plenty of people who have just been waiting to get medieval on these people. Side note, at some point I am, this week I'm going to talk about the Ghislaine Maxwell case. Because the media has been doing a really good job of keeping that one nice and quiet. And I think there's information that's bound to come out in that in that trial that would piece together some of the puzzle pieces from this great reset. In the meantime, pray for the church. Pray for the conversion of our bishops. Pray for the nation that we continue to hold strong and pray for those of us in Catholic social media so we can continue to bring you the truth. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Nomine Patris et Filii,